You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a message to 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. We've got a lot to cover today. You guys know um, you probably already listened to the pod that we released yesterday or the day before, depending on when you're listening to this. Understand I'm recording this on Monday evening. Um, so hopefully the information isn't too uh, outdated um, as it will drop on Tuesday around noon. Um, obviously we got some uh, big decisions coming up. It's going to be really exciting, uh, but you guys probably tuned in, um, you know, to the, uh, the draft recap with me and Ryan and Jacob and just kind of breaking things down. So what I wanted to do today is just kind of get everybody up to date on what do we have coming up. Right. And, and really it's never too early to start talking roster evaluation, in my opinion. Um, You know, you're going to have a few things change between now and camp, obviously, and now in between the OTAs that are going to be coming up here in May. And, um, you know, along the way, you're looking to add some cheap free agents. You might bring back some familiar faces, whether it's Mason Crosby or, um, you know, uh, Adrian Amos or maybe Mercedes Lewis. We'll see what happens. Everything will have to be, you know, kind of a a deal basis, if you will. Um, Some of you heard Mason Crosby and thought there's absolutely no way. I kind of felt like that too when they drafted uh, Anders Carlson, but at the same time, the way things are structured, you could keep both kickers on the uh, on the active roster and just not, you know, uh, activate them on game day. You know what I mean? That that you know whatever it is, the forty five that you can put on game day. So there's a way they could carry both of them. You've seen it last year from time to time, uh, if I remember correctly, the Packers did that uh, with Mason Crosby as he was kind of, uh, you know, a little banged up at times. But with that being said, we're just going to kind of talk about the roster. And first things first, I'm going to go ahead and share the screen here. Hopefully the sound doesn't cut out too bad. Uh, But what I want to do here is play just a quick clip. I promise it's not going to be long at all. It's going to be Ian Rappaport. And he's kind of talking about um, the Jordan Love fifth-year option coming up. So I'm going to go ahead and hit it, and then we'll kind of hit on that. Um, Obviously, like I said, it's going to be dropping around noon on Tuesday. 
um, noon central time. So uh, we may have already made a decision on the Jordan Love fifth-year option. If, if so, that's okay. I just want to kind of give you guys my take on it as we get ready to move into some uh, other news. But here's Ian on that, that subject. That is a decision that's going to come tomorrow for the Green Bay Packers and really a fascinating decision. I would say similar to when the New York Giants had with Daniel Jones uh, this past offseason, obviously declined his fifth-year option, ended up having to give him a big extension, uh, or the franchise tag. That's really where Green Bay is. And let's just go over the finances here for Green Bay. If they give Jordan Love the fifth-year option, it's a fully guaranteed contract for 2024, $20 million. As Brian Gutekunst himself said, it's a lot for a guy who hasn't played. The other option is let him go into a contract year and know you have the franchise tag to kind of back yourself up. But that's $32 million. That's a lot more money. So that is the decision that tomorrow, by the deadline, the Green Bay Packers will make. It'll be either fifth-year option or rely on the franchise tag. Meanwhile, the Arizona... All right, so... Ian kind of broke it down there, right? And you guys heard me talk about <clears throat> this very situation a little while back, how I was really hoping, best-case scenario, they knew what they had with Jordan Love, and let's go ahead and extend him. I even had a scenario laid out that if Rodgers wanted to return one more year, how to make that work. Um, I know that ruffled some feathers, uh, but Rodgers is gone now, so we're not even going to talk about that or go down that road. But what I was referring to with – giving Jordan Love an extension, and it was before all of the other heavy contracts hit. You could have really gotten a discount on Jordan Love, in my opinion. And some people were saying, no, there's no way he would take less than what a starter gets. He's He wasn't a starting quarterback at the time. And if you're telling me that a player would say, hey, I'm going to – I'm going to roll the dice and bank on $20 million guaranteed as opposed to $100 million guaranteed. And some people were going, whoa, 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 you want to give him $100 million? Guaranteed, yeah. Why not? If he is the guy, sign him to a five-year extension, right? Give him a hundred million guaranteed, and you're kind of off to the races there. Now, the reason I say that's because you can move that money around. Who knows? He may have taken seventy million guaranteed. He may have taken fifty million guaranteed. I, I don't know, you know, what that situation is like there, uh, you know, within the building. But you could have offered him a heavy, heavy pay increase and then be able to maneuver that money. The problem with the fifth-year option is it's $20 million guaranteed. It's like a mini franchise tag. It cannot be moved around. It cannot be spread out over voidable years. It can't be, you know, it can't be used to manipulate the cap, which so many teams are doing right now. You heard Ian Rappaport talk about Daniel Jones. You know, Daniel Jones, they chose to not go the franchise tag route. And then what's so weird about how the Giants handled the Daniel Jones situation, I've heard Michael Lombardi talk about this over and over and over, is there was nobody that was going to pay Daniel Jones that money in free agency. For whatever reason, they ponied that money up before they even let him test the market. And that's kind of the worst of, of both of both scenarios, right? So if Jordan Love does turn out to be the guy, here's what we're faced with. First of all, you guys may already have the news. Like I said, I'm recording this on Monday evening. Uh, maybe the news has already dropped by noon on, on Tuesday or by the time you hear this Tuesday evening. Um if they did pick up the fifth-year option, we've got $20 million on the books next year that can't be moved around, okay? And that's just kind of the way it goes. Now, Aaron's salary, or Aaron's cap hit, I should say, is coming off the books after this year, so you're free there. And the way the cap lays out, I don't have it pulled up right now, but I believe we're somewhere in, in between 12 and $18 million under the cap, even with Jordan Love's $20 million fifth-year option next year. So the cap itself isn't you know that big of a deal when it comes to the Jordan Love fifth-year option. However, 
if he turns out to not be the guy and you picked up the fifth-year option, you're kind of in the same boat that you are with Darnell Savage this year. You're on the hook for that money. Now, if you trade him, yes, the the, the contract travels. The only problem is, um, you know, who's going to take on that money, right? That's kind of what we're faced with with Darnell Savage. I could even see it being a situation. I'm not suggesting they'll do this with Savage, but if you find yourself in that situation, if you remember a few years back, I believe it was Cleveland that took on a player in his cap hit, and they actually – they got the player and they got a draft pick because they took the cap hit off of, I believe it was the Houston Texans' hands, if I remember right, um, whoever it was. There's just a lot of things that you can do in that regard. But like Ian said, if you do, if you if you choose not to do the tag and he comes out and lots it up next year, then you're working on a new deal if you don't reach a new deal, which we've seen over and over and over with these quarterback contracts here of lately then you can franchise tag him. And I'm assuming Ian is anticipating the franchise tag for quarterbacks next year to be $32 million. I believe that's the number this year. So I kind of feel like that may increase, although I'm not 100% sure. But let's just call it $32 million. You're talking about $12 million against the cap that you could have saved, that you could have spread out. And that's why I'm saying, like, the best-case scenario is a contract extension. Okay, you don't know what you got there, you know, if, if you – I'm sorry, man. I have a hard time believing that it's going to take game time to understand what you got in Jordan Love. Like, you've seen him in practice. You've seen him running with the ones with Aaron's absence. Um, you've seen him come in and play against Philly. Guys, you, you've had three years to look at him. If you don't know by now whether or not he's worth starter money, then I, I just don't see – let's say he goes out this year and he plays five games, gets hurt, misses three games, comes back, he's inconsistent, blah, blah, blah. Are you going to try to sign him to an extension? Because if you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure because you're simply saying, okay, he played like crap, now we'll sign him, and and now it'll be worth it. No, the goal is to get better at the most important position in the game. So, you know, you, it's it's kind of wishy-washy and it's bothering me. You know, one of the, the comments that Goop made about it was he said, you know, it's a lot of money for someone who hasn't played. Damn, Goot, really? You're just going to backhand the quarterback like that? <laughs> like, you're the you're the reason he hasn't played. Like, you, you drafted him to sit behind Aaron for several years. And I'm not in no way trying to bash Goody. I'm just saying that comment itself, what did that do? You know? And, and man, that – I don't even want to think about the thought, the idea. I don't want it to even cross my mind that that he might tick off the next quarterback. But when I heard that comment, I was just like, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But man, it was just like that's that just don't sound right, man. That's I, I couldn't imagine looking to partner up with someone, and that's exactly what that 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 is. You know, a starting quarterback in the NFL is like you you look at him as one of your top colleagues, one of your your biggest assets of your entire organization and then you're going to make a backhanded compliment like well i mean we really haven't seen him play it's a lot of money for somebody we haven't seen play i just don't agree with that man that that's one of the few times i feel like good has kind of slipped up um but regardless uh you know you're the best case scenario in my opinion would be a contract extension the second best would be the fifth year option and obviously uh you know worst case scenario is the franchise tag of 32 million so to put that into perspective the way the contracts and the cap sits next year. If you had to franchise tag them the following year, there's a bunch of money that's going to be coming off that cap. But again, I believe we're somewhere around 12 million in the positive worst case scenario with Jordan Love's $20 million uh, fifth year option. 
I would say they're probably going to pick it up just because, you know, history tends to repeat itself. And you've seen them do it with Darnell Savage. I think we would all agree that we believe Jordan Love is going to be a much more impactful player than, than Darnell Savage was last year and, and that we project to be this year. And they're on the hook there for $8 million. So that's kind of what's going on there. But let's move on to another tweet real quick. And it won't be a video, but I just want to kind of read it off. Matt Schneiman pointed out on Twitter, he said um, – he, he actually shared Wes Hockowitz's tweet that said, by my count, the Packers roster stands at 88 players, 63 veterans, 13 draft picks, and 12 college free agents who have agreed to terms. All right, so, again, 88 players total, which means you – I think you've got like two spots open there. Uh, isn't it funny? There's a lot of people talking about maybe Adrian Amos and Mason Crosby signing back with the Packers. I've heard uh, several people mention it, more so Amos than Crosby. But also you got Mercedes Lewis out there, man. I get really excited with the thought of Mercedes Lewis coming back this year. Um, I kind of hope they do that. He's going to be pennies on the dollar. Obviously, the market wasn't hot for him. He hasn't signed with the Jets yet, although it, it sounded like they went after Billy Turner. That was probably an Aaron Rodgers request and, and probably a Nathaniel Hackett request as well. Um, but, um, you know, as far as signing, uh, you know, big dog, right, signing – Mercedes Lewis. I think that would be huge because basically what he's going to do is replace Tyler Davis on the depth chart. Okay. And now you've got Mercedes Lewis in there teaching these two young tight ends what it means to be a pro. We've all heard about the leadership skills of Mercedes Lewis. We've all heard about how he's he's voted. I mean, if I remember correctly, I think he was a team captain last year. You bring him back and put him in that tight end room. I think that's a huge win. And God forbid something happened and he had to go into a game, but we've seen last year, if you don't think Big Dog can still play, go watch the Miami game last year. I mean, the dude the dude can still catch the football. Yes, he's he's not a, a burner. He never was a burner. He never, he never was a tight end with speed. But he's a, an extension of that offensive line. He can block as good, good as any tight end in the entire league. Um, he's someone who's going to bring leadership to your locker room, keep it stabilized. You know, that to me, that's a big win for the coaching staff if you bring somebody like Mercedes Lewis back because, you know, you've got – there's going to be a division whether people want to admit it or not. You know, the the Aaron Rodgers haters make it sound as if all the players are happy that Aaron's gone, right? And the Aaron Rodgers lovers make it sound like uh, they're all ticked off that he's gone. I think it's probably – you know, the truth usually falls somewhere in the middle in, in any debate. Um, I could see there being a handful of players – that are like, man, they, they, you know, they don't like how things have transpired, the stuff that Aaron has talked about in the past. But if you bring somebody like Big Dog back in there to help galvanize that locker room, I think that would really, really help. And it would just kind of show that it's just another check on the box for Goody, Matt LaFleur, and the organization to say, hey, look, you know, we haven't just screwed everybody over like Aaron likes to, you know, lead us to believe, right? Um, so I think that would be a really, really cool signing personally. Um, but at the same time, I got a puppy outside the door here. He's wanting in bad. Let me open this door. I apologize, guys. Give me two seconds. All right, we got us a co-host today. Hopefully, he doesn't get loud. My German Shepherd pup Lincoln's in the in the house here. He's probably going to knock something over along the way, I'm sure. Um, but back to what I was saying. Undrafted free agents, right? As we step into that, I'm going to list off these undrafted free agents, then we're going to get into some camp questions. You guys are going, camp, Clayton? It's nowhere near. I'm telling you, man, it's never too early to talk about camp questions. Like, what are some of the key battles going to be, things of that nature? So, when we break it down here, right, um, the Packers announced 12 undrafted free agent signings. You had uh, Keyshawn Banks, linebacker out of San Diego State. 
You had Brenton Cox Jr., linebacker out of Florida. You've got, uh, let's see, uh, Chuck Falaga, I think is how you say his name, an offensive guard out of Minnesota. you got Malik Heath, a wide receiver out of Mississippi. You've got Jason Lawan, defensive lineman out of Illinois State. You've got Cameron McDonald, tight end out of Florida State. Christian Morgan, safety out of Baylor. Uh, Henry Pearson, fullback. And it's right, right around the corner from where I, I'm at, uh, Appalachian State over in Boone, North Carolina. So that's kind of exciting. Um, Jimmy Phillips Jr., linebacker out of SMU. You got Benny Sapp third safety out of Northern Iowa. You've got Kadeem Telford, tackle out of UAB. And Deuce Watts, wide receiver out of Tulane. So those are your undrafted free agents. Most of those guys you probably never heard of. I know I can't think of one that I've heard of, to be honest with you. But uh, it's, it's always exciting with the undrafted free agents because it seems like occasionally you have one make the roster. I personally don't see it this year. When you've got 13 draft picks, you want to hold on to those four-year contracts that comes with the CBA, uh, you know, what they collectively uh, bargained as far as uh, the way the rookie deal is set in place and you get in those four-year contracts. That's going to be huge for cash over cap. When you're playing the cash over cap game the way the Packers and many other NFL teams are right now, you need those minimal four-year deals. It's how you fill your roster out. It's something that's absolutely um, it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial. I'm going to tell you right now, Lincoln's going to get me in trouble. He is chewing my wife's lemon tree right now, and I can't do anything about it. And I'm not going to because she was supposed to be watching him. And that's uh, that's the married life here in the Bailey house. Um, let's move on to the depth chart, okay? And I'm going to go kind of the whiteboard real quick. Hopefully you guys can hear me okay. I've already got the depth chart kind of drawn up here. It's not Understand, I didn't do this for accuracy, okay? I didn't do this like, okay, this is exactly how I see the depth chart. I just wanted to get all the names out there so you understand the players that we have at each position because there's some of these players you haven't heard of. There's some that are familiar. And I may have made a mistake a mistake or two for outdated information uh, online. If so, you guys hit me up with a message. Hit me up on Twitter. Say, hey, man, that player is actually not on the roster or, hey, you missed one. But this is the way I've got it laying out right now, okay? At quarterback, we've got Jordan Love, your starting quarterback, back up. I've got Clifford, the uh, the rookie uh, quarterback we took out of Penn State, and you got Danny Etling. Most likely, Danny Etling will be the practice squad quarterback, and you're going to keep uh, Clifford on as your backup quarterback, which is really cool because, you know, like I had mentioned on the uh, the pod we did yesterday, um, I had asked, you know, hey, uh, I said, uh, you know, I think I think I said Clifford had an incomplete RAS, and Ryan pointed out to me, no man, he's got like over a nine RAS. So I was like, holy crap! So. That's that's a player that obviously has an athletic profile that can that can come in handy. You know, um, I didn't realize he was that mobile and just kind of fit the bill for that that build um, as far as uh, pro quarterback. Not only just size, but all the measurables, all the combine statistics as well. But halfback, we've got Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Lou Nichols, Patrick Taylor, BJ Goodson. Some people would say I'd put Patrick Taylor or BJ Goodson over Nichols. I personally wouldn't. Uh, and the reason being is because, you know, Taylor and Goodson have been around for a while. I'm not sure exactly how they fall in the practice squad rules because, you know, that all changed with COVID, and I think they kept some of those rules around. I haven't seen if the owners have chose to uh, continue to implement those same rules when it comes to practice squad and how there's more flexibility today. Um, but I think Lou Nichols is probably – a shoe in to make the roster, and the reason being is because of that four-year contract. And you know, the other thing too, he kind of brings that that type of back that Patrick Taylor was, you know, or still is. And who knows, maybe they carry you know four backs, right? But Lou Nichols, the rookie um, that we drafted, I'm trying to remember where we drafted him. Uh, let's see, it was the number two thirty-five pick, so way later in the draft. 
it's a player that he's a bowling ball, man. He's one of those power backs. He's one of those guys that kind of remind you of a Jamal Williams type running back. I'm not suggesting he's at that same level as far as talent is concerned, but he's that type of build. So, I, like I said, I've got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Lou Nichols, um, Patrick Taylor, and B.J. Goodson. So, on to wide receiver. Wide receiver one is none other than the up-and-coming superstar Christian Watson. Then you've got at number two, Romeo Dobbs. Number three, Jaden Reed. Number four, Samori Torre. Number five, uh, Dontavian Wicks. Number six, Grant Dubose. And then I've got Bo Melton, Jeff Cotton, Heath, and Watts. Okay, so if you were to start camp to, or start the season today, I think I feel really, really confident that this is going to be your starting wide receivers, although we see every single year – there are players that get banged up, and that causes them to shift them around, utilize the pup list, and bring other players on the roster. And kind of, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is the mastermind at that. Uh, having some, you know, someone have, uh, you know, quote unquote, a hamstring injury so they could maximize another position and still not lose that player because they're kind of on that temporary IR, if you will, uh, that pup list too. But again, I've got Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Torre, Wicks. And do both. Now, the cool thing about this is, um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to that the bottom side of that. Well, actually, at the top, let's sort at the top. I, I I'm not ready to put Jaden Reed in the number two spot, and the, and the reason being is like like Ryan and I had talked about on the pod yesterday. You know, they're really really hesitant to start rookies. Although we we played young wide receivers a lot last year, we kind of had to. You had some injuries, you had some people underperforming. Sammy Watkins didn't pan out. Um, there was times that Randall Cobb was healthy but couldn't get on the field. You could tell that they chose to go younger and do it intentionally. So when it comes to that, I don't really know exactly what their plan is going to be in that regard. Um, but I do know this. I feel really, really confident that if everybody stays healthy, then it's going to be Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Torre, Wicks, and Dubose if you carry six. If you carry five, then Dubose probably gets cut off there. But I all right, on to tight end. Now, in the number one spot, we got Luke Musgrave. Obviously, um, that's the uh, the first pick that we took at tight end. That doesn't mean he's going to win the job outright, but next we got Tucker Craft. You got Josiah DeGuar. You got uh, Davis. You've got uh, you know Tyler Davis. You got Pearson, and you've got McDonald. Now, Pearson is listed as a fullback. I put him in here because obviously DeGuar is more of an H-back, although he can play attached. He can play flex. He can play that Y. Um, it's just not ideal, right? So um, with Pearson, I wanted to really highlight that he's a fullback. That was kind of strange to me. It's like, are they maybe looking to use DeGuara more um, more at the tight end spot as opposed to the H-back? You know, why else would you bring a fullback in on this? Hey, that's going to be, you know, maybe a potential practice squad guy and someone who could fill in if DeGuara gets hurt. That could be kind of their utility guy. Who knows? That, that may be the case. But when it comes to, you know, who could potentially start – that's one of the big camp battles, and we'll kind of talk about it here in a second and highlight it. But, again, right now you've got six guys that are going to be, quote, unquote, you know, you know, either tight ends or a fullback, right? And so that's going to be a full house there. It isn't amazing how you went from it being absolutely, you know, abysmal, and now you look up and you've got uh, two potential studs there from the draft. And, and I'm telling you, man, I was really high on Musgrave, you guys remember, um, that was the one that hands down I think we did out of all the mock drafts we did every single mock draft we did he landed in the 45 spot to us and then lo and behold we take him a 42 um, but you know I wasn't as big on Tucker Craft but we'll kind of get into that here in a minute and talk about where these guys were drafted and how they fit in um, uh, 
the more I think about it, the more I look at it and I watch the tape and I study PFF and, you know, PFF had extremely high grades on Tucker craft the last two years. It's like, man, I think I'm just as excited about Tucker craft as I am Luke Musgrave, which is really, really cool. Um, let's move on to left tackle, left tackle. We got David Bakhtiari, Rashid Walker, uh, Gene Delance, and uh, Telford at left guard. You got Elton Jenkins at center. You got Josh Myers at right guard. You got John Runyon, Royce Newman, Jake Hansen, Sean Ryan, and Falaga um, at right tackle. You've got Josh Na- Najman, Zach Tom, Tanuda, and uh, Big Caleb Jones. So you know the reason the reason I put Tom on the right side is because I feel like that's going to be a camp battle. We'll talk about it here in a second. We all know he can fill in at left tackle in a pinch if he needs to. Yash can do that as well. So maybe it's something where Yash would roll over to left tackle. Although you want as few moving parts as, as you know, physically possible when it comes to having to shuffle the offensive line around. Now um, at the defensive line, you've got Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Chris Slayton, you, get, you now have the rookie Brooks. You've got Jonathan Ford. You've got Colby Wooden, the, the other rookie. And you've got Lawan. Okay, so, you know, you've got right there, what, two, four, six, eight defensive linemen <clears throat> that are going to be coming into camp as it sits right now. That's kind of exciting. Understand that I didn't list Van Ness as a defensive lineman, although he, you know, he is big enough. If he just literally ate a couple cheeseburgers, he would kind of fit that that weight requirement to play some defensive line. You know, I mean, you they don't necessarily have to be over 300 pounds to play in the system at the defensive line, you know, spot. And um, but at the same time, I've got him listed at edge because I kind of feel like that's where he's going to start the season, especially with Rashawn Gary potentially being hurt for week one. But even with that, even with Van Ness over there, right? Um, you know, and, and Preston Smith as well. I think Preston Smith can kind of fill in in a pinch on the defensive line if you needed to, too. But we've we've got eight bodies there at defensive line. It's obvious they feel pretty good about that. You know, T.J. Slayton would be your typical nose. Um, I think your right defensive end is Kenny Clark. Your left defensive end would be Devontae Wyatt, um, the way it sits. I'm really excited to see what Devontae Wyatt does. I, I really am. Um, I think that he showed some flashes last year, had limited snaps, just a little over 200 snaps for the entire season. I think that dude's going to come out and ready. He's going to be ready to wreck some game plans, and I'm excited about it. Uh, edge defender, you've got Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, J.J. Enigbare, uh, Justin Hollins. You've got uh, Garvin, you've got Wilson, and you've got Hamilton. Okay, that's how that sits. That's another full house there. Now, when you talk about that position, if Rashawn Gary is starting the season on IR – then Lucas Van Ness is going to get thrust right into the row. What I don't want to see is J.J. Enigbare get the start over Van Ness just because he's raw. Guys, this is going to be one of those off seasons. You know, a lot of people were picking us to finish last in the North. Now, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that. But with that being said, now is the time to let a rookie kind of cut his teeth, man. Let him jump right into the fire. Let him get in there and get the reps, and let's see what he can do week in and week out. I hope they don't try to hold him back too much and uh, and let J.J. and Barty start over him, and then you get a little blend of him coming in and out. Now, if Rashawn Gary's healthy, I completely 100% understand, hey, look, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith starting and then bring Van Ness on. And if Van Ness shows flashes in camp, if Van Ness shows flashes early in the season that he's better than Preston Smith, don't let your freaking ego get in the way and not start him over Preston Smith. You know, yeah, I understand Preston Smith's, you know, making a lot more money than Van Ness. But, man, it, it's all about putting the best product on the field. And the last thing you want to do is stop that progress with Van Ness. And that's why I was kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, what if they told Preston Smith to beef up, right? What if they told him to beef up a little bit and play defensive line? That's a possibility. Although, who's he going to replace, Kenny Clark or Devontae Wyatt? 
you know, he, he's darn sure not going to play nose. That's just that's definitely not, you know, within his uh, his skill set. So with that being said, you get him to beef up, and now he's you know sitting on the bench behind those guys as well. I think what you're going to see is a good rotation of players uh, at the edge position coming and going, which is really cool. I mean, when everybody's healthy, you basically got four that you got a lot of confidence in, guys. That's that's really good because not only does it allow you to put in edge edge defenders who are well rested, right? What it also allows you to do is it allows you to bring in a multitude of uh, of pass rush moves. You know, Rashawn Gary doesn't rush the same exact way that Preston Smith does. Preston Smith isn't going to rush exactly the same way that Van Ness does. Van Ness doesn't rush exactly the same way that Kingsley and Igbari does, right? And when you get these offensive tackles and they get out there on the island and they start, let's say they go, you know, five, seven, maybe eight reps right in a row with Preston Smith, and all of a sudden they got Lucas Van Ness with a with a, a different, you know, uh, a different bag of tools as far as pass rush moves. You really get an offensive lineman on their heels. You know, it might be something that you got, uh, you know, uh, Rashawn Gary. I know he's more of a power rusher, but also he's got some finesse moves. He's got some stuff he can do off the edge as far as quickness. You get him used to that and then put Van Ness in there and he just bull rushes him back into the pocket. Like that stuff matters. It To me, it's the equivalent. You guys know I played baseball, so I kind of draw a lot of comparisons there. It's the change up, man. It is a change up. It's literally it's it's arm speed of a fastball, but that ball's coming in anywhere from eight to fifteen mile an hour slower, dude. That's a hard thing to hard thing to adjust to on the fly. And to me, this is very very similar when you're talking about different edge rushers with different moves. So, uh, and that's the thing about Van Ness. Ryan did a great job of breaking that down on, on his pod. That right now he's got a bull rush. You know, that's something that's got to be refined. They, they got to get him in there and get him, you know, to get him a a secondary move, then get him a third move, then get him a fourth move, and then and how much that he's willing to work at it and how much the game means to him is really what's going to come into play as far as how good he can be. You know, that's the, that's the difference between the good pass rushers and the great pass rushers is that bag of bag of tools that they have. So uh, moving on to linebacker, you've got uh, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie. You've got Banks who was uh, recently signed here. And then you've got Tariq Carpenter. I've got listed as a linebacker. I read the other day that they're actually playing him at linebacker. So uh, I'm looking to see him as kind of that number four, probably over Banks, although the depth chart on ESPN have Banks listed a little higher because they had Carpenter listed as a safety. So I I kind of adjusted that myself. You've also got Brenton Cox Jr. And then you've got Phillips. Okay, so in, in the linebacker room, the way it sits right now, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven linebackers. All right, on the corner. You've got Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, although we all know Eric Stokes may start the season on IR. You've got Keyshawn Nixon, who uh, Coach LaFleur said we he would be playing the slot. We'll see if that holds up. You've got John Charles. You have got uh, Ballantyne, Corey Ballantyne, and then you've got Carrington Valentine. That's going to be really tough. I don't understand why they do this to us, guys. I mean, we got two Slaytons on the defensive line, and now we got a Ballantyne and a Valentine. <laughs> And then, of course, you got Keandre Thomas there at the cornerback position. We'll talk about these camp battles here in a second. But, uh, again, I know it's early, but, man, I, I love digging into this and kind of laying the storylines out, writing on my whiteboard, here's what to watch for in the upcoming camp. And then when we get into OTAs and you hear updates about how players are, you know, the coaches are bragging on this player, the trainers are bragging on that player, you, know, you can kind of keep score as you go along and see who has the upper hand, in my opinion. I, I'm looking for any kind of tea leaf whatsoever to read this time of year because football is so far away, and you just really want to stay in the hunt with it, man. You want to you want to kind of keep your your finger on the pulse. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, now, on to free safety. I've only got two listed. I've got Rudy Ford and uh, Anthony Johnson Jr., okay? Now, here's what I want to say about this. The reason I've got Rudy Ford in the free safety spot, ESPN actually had Rudy Ford on the bench. He had They had Darnell Savage starting at free safety, and then they had um, the uh, Tarverius Moore uh, starting at strong safety. If Rudy Ford doesn't come out of camp as the number one free safety, or if he doesn't go into camp as the number one free safety, I'm going to lose my mind. Because he is one of the reasons that defense turned around, you know, periodically last year. PFF suggests he's the better safety. You put on the tape, he was the better safety. You look at the turnovers, he was the better safety. You look at the schematic, you know, how schematically sound he was, he was the better safety. By God, Rudy Ford better be in there in that starting free safety spot. Now, I want you to understand something that when it comes to this Vic Fangio uh, defense where they play a lot of, you know, they'll show a lot of two on the shelf. They'll do some late rotation. They'll do some spinner looks, uh, basically meaning one safety will roll uh, rotate into the box. It's very, very interchangeable, although the majority of the time Rudy Ford was playing that deep safety, okay? So with that being said, that's why I feel like, the days of the uh, quote unquote strong safety are kind of gone, you know, um, the, from what I've heard, and this is Greg Cosell talking with these new defenses that have kind of emerged. Um, you, you really, your safeties have to be very interchangeable. You don't have that thumper of a run, uh, you know, of a run stuffer like your uh, Jamal Adams and your cam chancellors and people like that. Right. Those days are kind of gone. Both safeties, at least in this defense really need to do, be able to do both uh, both responsibilities. They need to be able to play deep. They need to be able to play in the box. It needs to be interchangeable. It needs needs to be uh, you know something that you can do a lot of sugar and disguise. So uh, again, I got Rudy Ford and Johnson at free safety. At strong safety, I've got Darnell Savage. Some of you cringe right now. I know. Just stay bear with me here. 
you got Tarvarius Moore, Enos Gaines, uh, Dallin Levitt, you got Morgan, and now you got Benny Sapp. Okay, so if if you were to tell me Savage is going to play safety, I'd probably give him the nod at strong safety. Although I would love to see a, ca- a camp battle between him and uh, Tarvarius Moore. Now, we know Savage played the slot last year, right? And some of you guys are going, well, it's because Eric Stokes was hurt. Well, they're they're predicting that Eric Stokes is going to be hurt to start the season here, right? That he's not going to be ready for week one. I've heard both. I'm kind of leaning on, you know, hey, let's be a little more cautious, right? Rather than optimistic. That way, the last thing we want to see happen is these, these players have injuries carry over into the regular season, uh, you know, like we've seen last year with our two best offensive line. But um, with that being said, if, if, if Eric Stokes is hurt, then you're probably going to see Savage play the slot, right? Unless LaFleur was telling the truth that Keyshawn Nixon was going to be in the slot. And if that's the case, you're paying Darnell Savage $7.9 million to do what? Sit on the bench? No way. No way. It's not possible. So I would say it would be Rudy Ford and Savage if that were the case and you did play Nixon in the slot. Now, if you play Nixon in the slot, where does Stokes come into the fold if he is healthy? These are all the questions that we're not looking for answers to these questions right now, gang. What we're looking for is identify the questions. We want to know what we're looking for going into OTAs and then stepping into training camp as well. So with that being said, uh, kicker, we've got uh, Anders Carlson, the the rookie that we uh, that we drafted this year. And then you got Parker White as the backup right now. I think it's hands down Anders Carlson's uh, job there. You're not going to waste that draft pick. Now, if Mason Crosby does decide uh, to uh, to sign for a, a minimal top contract and he wants to come back to Green Bay for one more year, then you can kind of you know activate and deactivate one of those guys depending on the health of of both Crosby and and Carlson. I will say this: Carlson is most likely going to get the job. I don't see. I think it's a greater chance that Carlson's going to be the kicker than them actually sign Crosby, even if Crosby wanted to come back for a minimum. The reason being is they not only did they invest a draft pick in him, but they invested time from Rich Basacci. I don't know if you guys heard, but he actually spent some time with Carlson. Um, his brother used to kick for him, I think, in at the time it was the Oakland Raiders, I believe, if I if I remember correctly. But he went down this year and actually met with Carlson. And, and they really, really wanted to uh, to kind of make sure the knee was good, make sure the leg was healthy, and and really just kind of get a feel for him. And obviously, Rich Basaccia gave him the, the go-ahead and the approval. I want to give kudos to Coach Matt LaFleur and Brian Gudikins because they brought a guy in, Rich Basaccia, that they knew could help transform the special teams. They, they recognized there was a problem. They identified a way that they could fix it. And not only did they, you know, bring in a guy and let him, hey, you know, it'd be real easy to go, okay, one year, okay, you got the foundation in place, we'll take back over, you just coach special teams now. They're keeping Basaccia as the new assistant head coach in the loop and using him there. I mean, they are working him like a dog, right? They want feedback on everything. I mean, I, I believe it's the reason Keyshawn Nixon signed back with the Packers, obviously Dallin Levitt and uh, and his connection there with Rich Basaccia and now Carlson. Um, and they also went out and signed, uh, you know, a new long snapper in Orzik who's going to compete with Jack Coco uh, for the long snapper spot. I imagine that uh, that uh, Rich Basaccia was in on that as well. And we do know that he was very, very instrumental in signing Pat O'Donnell, who's still our punter. He's the only punter on the roster right now. Now, at kick return, you got Keyshawn Nixon. Man, am I excited to see Keyshawn Nixon for a full season returning kicks and punts. Um, now, you've also got Jaden Reed. The rookie, they say he has return ability. So it's going to be exciting to see, not that there would be a competition at the returner spot, but if Jaden Reed really can return the way that they're saying, 
that really adds a lot of depth to the kick return game. And you guys know when Keyshawn Nixon went out last year, it was just like, you know, all that excitement we had for the return game was just out the window, right? And now we've got a young guy that could potentially kind of uh, learn from Keyshawn. That's the other thing too, you know, is Keyshawn going to be here one year? Is he going to be here three years? We don't know, right? Um, But we do know this, if Jaden Reed is the returner of the future, right, and I'm not suggesting we should get rid of Keyshawn. If Keyshawn, if he performs like he did last year, he's worth every freaking penny and you better bring him back because he was arguably the best returner in the entire league. But you get Jaden Reed getting to learn behind him if indeed they want him to try to return kicks. Now, who knows? Matt may come out and go, no, he's he's too valuable of a wide receiver. We just want him to focus on wide receiver. And I can understand that standpoint as well. So let's talk about camp questions, all right? I got three questions here. As we get ready for OTAs and then obviously stepping into training camp in July, I know it seems like it's a lifetime away, but I'm telling you, man, when we roll through these OTAs, we're going to look up and go, holy crap, camp's right around the corner. Here's the number one question, not necessarily of importance, but the first question that comes to mind. Will Eric Stokes be ready for camp? Okay. If not, then it immediately shifts to you're going to have Keyshawn Nixon. And um, let's just talk about some of the camp battles. Let's do that. You would have Keyshawn Nixon and Darnell Savage battling for that slot corner position, right? Now, if Eric Stokes is healthy, what are you going to do there? Are you immediate? I mean, he's a former first-round pick guy. You know how I feel about him. I feel like he's underperformed. Before the injury last year, I think he had over 200 snaps, and he was playing like hot garbage. He was grading out in the 50s, right? So if he is healthy, do you put him back on the boundary and you try to put Rasul Douglas back in the slot? Because in my opinion, that just didn't work, guys. Rasul Douglas is better served outside. So it, it ain't even that you've got two outside guys. It's like the coaching staff is trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and make Eric Stokes a starting caliber. I hope they don't go that route. Although Keyshawn Nixon and Darnell Savage battling for that slot position is really going to come into play there. I don't think Eric Stokes is a slot corner, although you know maybe if he goes through a, a complete camp, if he is healthy, you know maybe I just don't see it. I feel like he's he's supposed to be a boundary corner. He just hasn't lived up to that first round expectation, right? Um, so. Again, one of the questions is, Eric, will Eric Stokes be ready for camp, right? Um, another camp battle is Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed for that number two spot. Now, some people are saying, well, they're saying Jaden Reed's a, a, slot, uh, a slot receiver, right? According to Daniel Jeremiah and several others, he, he, is, he is good enough to play on the outside as well. He might be a little undersized. I think he's somewhere around six foot. Um, but with the speed and his ability um, – you know, you want him on the field as much as possible. One thing I would like to see the Packers shift into this year is more 12 looks. You know, that's kind of where Seattle went last year. They would like to show a lot of 12, and you you see a lot of 12 up in Buffalo with uh, with the uh, Buffalo Bills there with Josh Allen and that offense, right? And what did they do? They went and – I think they went and got another tight end, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, I think they traded up for Dalton Kincaid, arguably the best tight end in the draft, you know, um, whether it's him or Michael Mayer, whoever you – uh, you know, whoever you prefer uh, as far as skill set. But they're going to play a lot of 12 personnel because they already got Dawson Knox. Now they got Dalton Kincaid. You've seen the same thing in Seattle, right? Now the problem with Seattle is they go out and they draft Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I know this isn't a, uh, an NFL podcast. It's a Packers podcast, but just hang with me. You go and draft Jackson Smith and Jigba, and you already had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. What's it tell you they're going to be doing, right? Successfully, I'm telling you, man, not successfully these clues, but um, – you know, it wherever you're spending your draft uh, capital, it kind of tells you, 
you know, where you're going with the team. You know, another thing that pops up to me with Lucas Van Ness draft pick, if everybody's healthy, are we going to see more NASCAR package? Jake kind of talked about that the other day. And when I say NASCAR package, you're really focusing on pass rushers in pass rushing situations rather than saying, okay, <clears throat> we've got to have two big D linemen in our nickel. You could just put all linebackers. And if you guys remember with Dom Capers, I love this look. Dom Capers created something called the Psycho Package, and it was one of my favorites. They they didn't have anybody's uh, anybody's hand in the dirt. I think before the ball was snapped, BJ Raji got down, but there were people moving every freaking where because it was a passing situation, and you know they weren't going to run the ball, right? So they couldn't set the protection. It caused a lot of confusion. I just remember seeing that and thinking that is absolutely awesome. He did that out of the NASCAR package because he had all of his pass rushers in and didn't really – you know, stick to the rule of thumb that, hey, I've got to have two big defensive linemen. So, all right, another depth chart slash camp battle that you want to look for is Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. I know they're a little bit different. Luke Musgrave is more of the uh, receiving tight end. You know, he's more of that Bob Tunyon type. Uh, like Ryan pointed out on the pod yesterday, I think he, he was clocked at 20 miles an hour in the senior bowl which is absolutely crazy. Like he was trying to point out, I don't know if he ever got to the bottom of it, but that might have been the fastest recorded time from any tight end, even in the NFL. And it's crazy to think about that because Luke Musgrave coming in the draft, it wasn't like everybody was going, oh, he's an absolute blazer. But, guys, there's a difference between, you know, uh, combine speed and and football field speed, you know, speed with the pads on. Um, so, with Tucker Craft, you've got a little bit more of a mauler type, you know, a little bit more of a probably built a little bit better to block, but he also had the crazy RAS score, the uh, relative athletic score. Um, I think both of these guys can play that tight end position, all three of them. I think they can play attached. I think they could play the Y. I think they play flex. They could probably even play boundary. And that's really exciting. So I'm hoping that we shift this system into more of a 12 personnel. I've been studying right now on the 2020 Green Bay Packers uh, offensive manual, and it, it's a fascinating read. It's about Bobby Peters. If you guys haven't heard of it, man, he, he breaks down the entire offense from the 2020 Packers. You know, that was Aaron Rodgers' uh, first uh, first of the two MVP seasons there under Matt LaFleur. And uh, I'm just trying to kind of get a better beat on the offense and, and understand it a little bit different level, keep peeling the onion back a little bit and go, okay, or will we lean on 12 this year? Will we lean on 12 personnel this year? One running back, two tight end, as opposed to 11 personnel. You know, our roster suggests we should, but at the same time, you don't, you know, you don't know what the coaching staff's thinking. Another camp battle will be Yash uh, Najman and, um, and uh, Zach Tom at right tackle. Who's going to win that spot, right? I think everybody would say that, that Yash is probably the shoe in because he's getting paid more money, something like $4.2 million as opposed to Zach Tom getting uh, getting paid less than a million, I believe. Uh, so with that, with that being the case, Zach Tom would be the backup left tackle, although if Zach Tom is the better right tackle, put his butt in there. So I think you're going to see a little bit of a mini camp battle right there. Uh, again, I talked about Keyshawn Nixon and Darnell Savage in the slot. Also another uh, battle will be Darnell Savage and Tarverius Moore at strong safety. Tarverius Moore might end up being one of those type of free agents that Russell Douglas was and Rudy Ford was. How cool would that be? And if that's the case and Keyshawn Nixon is playing the slot and Tarverius were to beat Darnell Savage out for strong safety, you got Rudy Ford starting at free safety, <clears throat> that makes Darnell Savage expendable. Maybe you could see one of those type of deals that we talked about where it's literally – We'll give you a pick to take this cap cap off our hands. And some people were going, well, it doesn't matter. We got a full roster. It doesn't matter that the cap's sitting there. Guys, there's a thing called rollover cap. 
Like you want, you would want that extra seven point nine million. If you traded that entire contract away because of the fifth year option travels, then you can roll that cap into next year, and that could be absolutely huge. Especially with the stuff that we're talking about with Jordan Love, you know, potentially picking up a fifth year option or even a franchise tag, um, if he played well or a huge extension. And guys, there, there's something else right there on on the horizon, and that's Rashawn Gary's contract extension. We got to get that done. And it makes things so awkward, kind of like Elton last year, because you got to, the team's kind of wanting to wait and see if Rashawn Gary is going to be completely healthy, right? So Rashawn Gary's probably going to want to rush it back so he can prove that he's healthy to get his contract extension, rightfully so. Uh, but at the same time, if you rush him back too quick and he re-injures it, now he screwed his whole career up. It's uh, it's going to be interesting, man. These are all things that I wanted to bring to the forefront to kind of get everybody prepped as we get ready to go into OTAs. Um, so another question we had, other than Eric Stokes being ready for camp, will Rashawn Gary be ready for week one? Right, That's going to be a huge question. Write that down. We're looking for every little hint, every little uh, piece of information to see uh, which way that might be leaning between now and camp. And the, the third and final question I got is, uh, will Lucas Van Ness start at edge if Gary isn't ready? Right, If Gary isn't ready, will they just plug and play Lucas Van Ness opposite Preston Smith, you know, or will it be Kingsley and Igbari? The thing that I'm really excited to watch Lucas Van Ness do, first of all, is weight. We got to see what he weighs in at because they had him weighing in, at, I think, at 272 at the combine. You heard uh, Brian Gudikins talk about his body and talk about how he's just – he's solid muscle. And and they asked him, could you trim him down? <clears throat> and he said – or he said, do you think that's the weight he play at? And Brian Gudikins actually said – um, I don't think he can go down much because he's just solid muscle, but he could probably put weight on. So if you blimped him up to, say, 282, right, and you played him as a primary three technique in a pass-rushing situation, that's exciting too. The thought of on third down, let's say third and eight, you having Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith on the outside and then Kenny Clark or Devontae Wyatt inside and that one playing that shade, and then have in a three technique Lucas Van Ness at 280 pounds. Whoo! Sign me up for that. That's that that gets that gets me going out there, man. That sounds awesome. So um, again, though, they may trim him down a little bit and just say, "Look, we want you to learn and master the craft of playing the edge rusher position." The only problem with that for me is he's going to get limited playing time, and I want to see what this guy can do, especially in a in a a year where they're expecting us to finish last in the North. I keep saying that. Because I want to keep saying it. I want to keep putting it out there. I want people to know that everybody's writing this team off. I don't want it to sneak up on anybody. You know, people can people can get upset about it if the Packers overperform, but they damn sure cannot act surprised. I am not going to allow any of these major media people act surprised if the Packers, you know, come out and play just lights out. It's going to be, no, you're the one who said they were in last place. You said it. Don't Don't just try to sweep it under the rug now. Right. That's how I want this to go about. So I'm mentioning it everywhere I go in the supermarket down here in Tennessee. I walk into the store. I'll look people in the eye and I'll go, hey, look, Packers are Packers are picked to finish that dead last in the NFC North. Just so you know, I want everybody to know. So let's do this real quick as we get ready to wrap up a really quick overall recap of the draft picks. And this is according to my board. What I want to do is draw a quick comparison of where they landed on my board. And let's kind of check it off on. The information I had, understand, guys, my board, I did not scout. 
I did not go watch the players and go, yep, he's better than him. He's better than him. Oh, let's slide this one up, move that one down. I compiled a bunch of information of people I trust. Okay. Uh, people that, you know, it, it, I don't want to, I don't want to list the entire formula, but I've got people that I treat like my head scouts. Right. Uh, and I've got, uh, uh, organizations that compile a bunch of information when it comes to draft uh, numbers and, and kind of consensus and things like that, that's put into the, the equation. I'm really, really happy with how the draft board turned out. There was, I think, when the when the draft was finished, there was only three players, no, two players. There were only two players that were still on my board from my top 150. Everyone else got picked, which is really exciting. Um, and they went – in really, really good order as well. So let's just kind of talk about where they hit on here. If anything, for me to be able to go back and listen to this pod later when I'm preparing the draft board next year to kind of see how close we were. I want to say this. Last year, there was two picks I was really, really big on. My number one spot was Aiden Hutchinson. My number two spot was Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Kyle Hamilton fell to number 14. Aiden Hutchinson was the number one pick. When I looked at Aiden Hutchinson, I said he can play the run, he can rush the pass. This guy is a great character, uh, has great character. He's one of those guys you want on your football team. I feel like he is the most surefire thing in this draft. And last year he performed lots out. He played great for the Detroit Lions, unfortunately for the Detroit Lions. right? Um, Kyle Hamilton was the other one that started to fall because of his 40 time. You guys heard me standing on the table shouting. Why is he? There's no way he should drop this far. He falls to 14. He grades out as the best safety in the entire league, not just rookies, the entire league, right? Those are the two guys. This year, there's two players very, very similar, in my opinion. One, Will Anderson. He went to Houston. Okay. He's an edge defender. I felt like he was the safest pick this year. Jalen Carter would have been hands down the best prospect, but you had the off the field issues. I want you to try to draw that parallel with Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson didn't have that stuff. You know, Jalen Carter does. And Jalen Carter also has some issues with coming in out of shape. There's also rumors that he didn't get along with the coaching staff in Georgia. A lot of stuff kind of came to the surface. Now, if anybody can get it out of them with those other Georgia teammates they got over in Philly, I think that Siriano and Siriano and those guys um, can do that, right? I think is it Siriani? Yes, yeah, Siriani. I'm sorry, Siriani and that coaching staff can get that out of him. But again, I didn't look at him as a safe of a pick as I did Will Anderson because Will Anderson is high character. Everybody loves him. Um, he's you know, like I said last year, they said if he if he would have been able to come out in the draft last year, he probably would have been the number one pick. Right. That's how good he was. And then this year he upped his pressure percentage and had 100 less pass rush attempts. So I feel like he's the Aiden Hutchinson right this year. Now, as far as the other surefire, and this is just me personally, and I'm excited to see if it holds true because this guy failed just like Kyle Hamilton did, not necessarily for the 40 time, but for whatever reason. And that is Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback. You know, Ryan was big on Witherspoon. Right, and I was big on him too. Witherspoon was, I mean, slightly below um, Christian Gonzalez for me on my board. So I'm really excited to see how those two pan out. Now, coaching and and the team you're on plays a huge, huge role. If you've got a hot garbage defensive coordinator, that you you can't expect players to excel at the at the maximum. You know that was the thing about Kyle Hamilton. He goes to Baltimore and he really excelled. You had Aiden Hutchinson go to the Detroit Lions, and you guys know they have as good a team culture as you have in the entire league. Both of those guys thrived, 
Okay, so this year it's going to be Will Anderson in Houston. Not a great situation, right? So I could see him kind of underperforming based off of what they've got going on in there. Now, with Houston, who did they sign as their head coach? You got D'Amico Ryan's coming in. Okay, that's a complete culture change. So maybe, hopefully, for Will Anderson, that'll be you know a, a huge improvement on what it would have been, right? The other guy, Christian Gonzalez, guess where he goes? New England Patriots. So he's going to be playing for Bill Belichick and Stephen Belichick, you know, Bill's son, who, who I think he he's jumped back and forth from the DB's coach to the linebacker's coach. I think he's settling at the linebacker's coach right now. Regardless, he's going to get the best defensive minds coaching him up. Watch Christian Gonzalez this year. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the PFF grades are for those two players. Now let's get to the Packers real quick, and we're going to wrap this thing up. Lucas Van Ness was drafted at number 13 by the Green Bay Packers. Okay, you guys know that – uh, about a month and a half ago, I did a podcast, and I said Lucas Van Ness is the name that keeps popping up at number 15. Well, when I got to the mock draft time, you know, there a week before the draft, he was always gone at number 15. Lo and behold, we pick up the number 13 pick. You know, we do the pick swap and trade up two picks uh, with the Jets, and he's still on the board. Bang, he's taken. So he was number 13. He was drafted 13th. On my board, he was 17th, but his grade was a 13.6, meaning he was worthy of the 13th pick. We absolutely Nailed it. Uh, Musgrave, number 42. He was drafted with the 42nd pick on my board. He was the 27th best prospect. Check it off the freaking list. Great draft pick, Brian Gutekunst. And, uh, again, I had them taking him at 45 even before we had the 42 from the Jets. And, um, yeah, they absolutely nailed it, man. You're talking about great value there. The 27th best prospect at the number 42 spot in a huge position of need for the Packers. Absolutely phenomenal. The next pick my board didn't agree with, uh, that's Jaden Reed. He went in the number 50 spot. I had him at 127. What's really cool about this is <clears throat> the Packers traded back twice. And as they're trading back on the live stream, I'm telling Ryan, I'm like, this is, man, Goody's putting on a clinic right now. There's somebody he knows that no other team is on right now. And he, he traded back. When they traded back the second time, I said, who in the world is this going to be? Like, I was thinking Jalen Hyde. Because Jaden Reed was so far down my board. Understand, guys, when I'm talking about these numbers with my board, I'm not saying I understand better than the Green Bay Packers. I understand better than other front offices. I I didn't look at that pick. If you see me on camera, I didn't go, oh, stupid pick. My gears started turning like, what did I miss here? How do they see Jaden Reed so much higher than I did? I had him in the 127 spot, and they took him with the 50th pick, right? And there's other people that – it's amazing you didn't hear anybody talking about it. Then they come to the forefront. Oh, yeah, I was real big on him. I wasn't. I'm going to be the first one to say it. So I put an X by it. My board missed that. And you can bet your keister if he pans out, I'm going to dig into why my board missed that because it's it's really, really important. Number 78, uh, you've got Tucker Craft, right? He was the 80th best prospect on my board. He was worthy of the 77th pick. Spot on there. Check it off the list. Uh, Kobe Wooden. You had him at number 116 on my board. He was the 98th best prospect. Excellent, excellent draft choice. According to my draft board, I'm not saying, like, again, I'm not saying it's gospel, okay? I'm just kind of drawing the comparison. It's really cool that that looks like another great pick. Now, the next one, we had Clifford, the quarterback out of Penn State. He went number 149 on my board. He was number 381. And Goody got crucified for this. There are people out there going, he don't know what he, why, why in the world would you take a quarterback who wasn't even going to get drafted? Guys, the thing I love about Brian Gutekunst, he is he is going to ignore the noise. He's going to stick to his board. 
He had a fifth-grade talent on that guy. I believe it was fifth when they took him, fifth-round talent. He had a fifth-round grade on that guy, if I remember right, 149. I'm not even going to do the math, regardless. He's seen the value there. He sees something in Clifford. And, again, that's another one I'm going to be watching going, why in the world did I have him at 381? What happened there, right? But there was nobody that said, yep, that makes sense. So I know that the consensus suggests – that everyone agrees with me, but that doesn't matter. You got one of the best GMs in the entire league and Brian Gudikins taking him at 149. We all missed something there, and I'm excited to see what that something is. Next, you've got Dontavian Wicks, the uh, wide receiver. He went at 159. I had him in the 136 spot. Um, excellent pick by Goody there. Uh, you know, what, 23 picks, 23 spots better um, than uh, – they got him 23 spots later – then I felt like he was worthy of being taken. Uh, then you've got Brooks. I'm really excited about this one. We got him at 179. Carl Brooks, defensive lineman, 179. I had him on the board at 83. Gang, that's – I mean, that is crazy. That is crazy, crazy value according to my board. We'll see if it's correct. Uh, next, you got uh, Anders Carlson, the uh, the kicker. They took him at 207. I didn't have him on, on my board. I'm not hating on kickers. I just don't put kickers on my board. Um, so that one won't count. Um, then you've got uh, Valentine, the DB out of uh, out of Kentucky. You guys probably all oh, bet you love this picky Kentucky fan. Now, I actually had him at 243. They took him at 232. So in my opinion, it's in the ballpark, but I wasn't very big on Valentine at all. Um, I'm excited to see if that pans out. Again, it checks the box because that's really right there within striking distance, 11 spots. When you get above 200, if you're within 20 spots, you feel like, okay, you know, anybody can go there. Ryan was talking about the other day, people get mad when you take a kicker or a punter late in the draft. It's like how many times, how many seventh rounders are we going to cut and still pretend like it's not worth it to take a special teams player that could be a difference maker just because of their position? It's silly. Um, next, you got Lou Nichols at 235. I had him at 290, so that, that counts as an X on my board. And then you got Johnson Jr., the safety, at 242. I had him at 187. That's a great pick. And then wide receiver Dubose, uh, they got him at 256. I had him at 203, another great pick. So out of all those picks, if you take off the kicker, which you know I didn't have kickers on my board, then you got nine of 12 that match the board as great picks. I think Goody absolutely – crush this draft and i'm excited to see it all unfold so just want to give you guys that information i'm going to get out of here i got to splash this together because you probably noticed the uh the little hiccup in the middle uh my my german shepherd pup came in i thought he was going to be good next thing i know he's tearing the room apart so i had to <laughs> had to hit pause we're gonna have to splice this together so hopefully we can figure that out but the big day don't want you guys to, to mark down on your calendar put it in your phone right now may the 22nd may the 22nd will be your first OTAs. Guys, I'm recording this right now, and it is May the 1st. You understand what I'm saying? There's going to be – we've got OTAs coming up in roughly 20 days. And you know how it is. The OTAs will hit, and then there will be another OTA, and then we're staring down camp. It's going to go by quick. I'm really, really excited about to see what we do from here on out. Do we sign any more free agents on the cheap? How's the roster going to continue to get constructed? I believe we've got two spots open at the moment. Now, there's going to be some injured reserve and, and stuff like that that's going to come into play uh, that, you know, as far as freeing up roster spots, I get all that. But it's going to be exciting to see what we do going forward. And you guys probably already got the news by the time you're hearing this. If so, 
I can't wait to hear whether or not we pick up the fifth-year option of Jordan Love. That's going to tell a lot. That's going to be another piece of the puzzle kind of kind of put in place and go, okay, if we don't pick up the fifth-year option, he's playing for a contract. And if we can't reach an agreement, if he comes out and plays lights out and we can't reach an agreement, then you're going to hit him with the franchise tag next year at $32 million. All these All these things are happening right now. We may not get a definitive answer for a while on what Jordan Love is, but all of the pieces that need to be put in place is happening right now. There is no offseason when it comes to Packers football. So mark your calendars, May 22nd. I'm excited about OTAs getting cranked up. Thank you guys for your time. Hope you all have an awesome, awesome work day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. Just to go.